0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks. An episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Torino. This episode finds Jack and Earl at the crossroads. It's Star Trek Prodigy season 1 episode 14. Enjoy the show.
1: Welcome everybody. Hello. My name is not Jack Torino. My name is Jack Torino. <laughs> I am Earl Grey. I am not Earl Grey. <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Star Trek Prodigy, Season 1, Episode 14, Crossroads. It was released on the 17th of November,
0: 2022. That's what I hear.
1: For some reason, it's the 13th episode of all of Star Trek Prodigy.
0: This is the 14th episode of Star Trek Prodigy.
1: (laughs) It's the 867th of all of Star Trek. Yes. The
0: writer... Mm -hmm. Wait, are you? Is eight hundred fifty-seven the number if it's if it's episode thirteen, or the number if it's episode fourteen?
1: I just know that last time was eight hundred sixty-six. Okay, (laughs) that's a good question.
0: Well, is it?
1: (laughs) This episode was written by Lisa Schultz Bird. Lisa Schultz Boyd. The directors, we have two of them this time. We Mm -hmm. have. Steve In Cheng, Un, and Shung Shen. They do a lot of these episodes.
0: That's my dog Sung Shen.
1: <laughs> Crossroads takes place in twenty three eighty four on start date six one three zero two point seven.
0: Are you still getting the stinger at the beginning?
2: I or- am.
1: I am just after the <sighs> uh, Paramount Plus logo with the little. Uh, Nickelodeon blimp?
0: Um, I'm not even getting a Paramount Plus logo. I get Nickelodeon, and then I get Black Screen, and then I get CBS Studios Production.
1: Mm. After the uh, flyby, I get CBS Studios protection, Production and then Nickelodeon, but I'm sorry.
0: It's really blowing my mind. Um, quick question. Mm-hmm. Whose account are you using to watch this television show? I'm using...
1: Our producer's uh, David Moody's account, but I'm using the user my username.
0: Right, so we're using the same account. Is is what I'm getting at? Yes. So I don't know why it would be. It's it's got to be regional. Why they would show you people in the you people in the Midwest <laughs> that, <laughs> and not show us coastal elites, <laughs> us great Lakers. We, we've 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 been through this. We, oh, we've been through okay. this. <laughs> Gorilla Jack confirmed for us. That you are indeed in the Midwest.
1: Oh, okay. This episode takes place in 2384 on start 61302.7. What happens in this episode, Earl? When the crew attempts to secure transport to the Federation, they cross paths with the Admiral.
0: Are you still getting the stinger at the front, A little fly around in the Delta? Yeah, still getting that's, that. That's racist. <laughs> There's a thing that happens during the Protostar opening sequence, the Protostar, the Prodigy opening sequence, and uh, that is that the ship flies uh, through and past a bunch of bubbles. Hmm. Uh, It just started reminding me of something that happened during a season four of a television show that you haven't seen yet. Hmm. Uh, But just thinking about it makes it very interesting and compelling that the Protostar would be in that setting considering what that setting meant in the context of the other show mm. just thought i'd point that out really quickly
1: i remember what you're talking about now and i know that the opening has different parts that represent the ship flying over like exaggerated portions of each crew member and i've always interpreted those bubbles to be something like what murph would be if he was. Yeah, I have around.
0: i have as well oh okay but then i saw something different
1: mm, okay well, I'll keep that in mind.
0: Okay, how about we take a walk through this episode? Great. As we open, the Dauntless is chugging down its tracks again. hmm And Asensia and Diviner are in the sick bay. Yes. I guess Asensia is trying to help, you know, the Diviner remember again, and she sort of, like, triggers him into remembering the mantra of his people, you know, the one about no barrier can stop us, um, because she says something like no obstacle can stop you, which is... So, like usually it'll be like the simpler to the more complicated uh-huh. memory but now it's yeah. like we use the really complicated where work get to the simple memory <laughs> yep Janeway has arrived and she tells the diviner about finding Frex and basically about finding um finding you know the the proto you know well the protostar people mm-hmm. and uh this is when the diviner divines his progeny being Gwendala. Yes. Now we're sort of placed in the story of what's happening with the Dauntless and Janeway, right? Oh, okay. So it's kind of a recap. Well, it's kind of a teaser Mm -hmm. for the Dauntless part of the story. Oh. And leads us into the teaser for the prodigies, the protostar part of the story. Yes. So we've decided, uh, just like, you know, towards the end of last episode, Dal decided that we couldn't get to uh, to Starfleet with the protostars, we're gonna have to do something about, about the protostar. I really it's like things tend to move along pretty fast in this series. <laughs> like, as soon as he says, Let's we're gonna have to get rid of the ship, here we are at the beginning of the next episode, mm-hmm. uh, getting rid of the ship. Yeah. So, as we pan away from the protostar in the ice canyon, from that little overhead shot, it's that's when I realized looking up across the nacelles, I realized these nacelles from this episode well, from this ship also remind me of the Calvin universe, similarly to those of New Enterprise. Back in the Gallows episode. Mm. The most recent episode. The nacelles are are actually kind of similar. It actually makes me wonder if the nacelles in New Enterprise was some sort of machine that acted like a force field to keep the sickness that they had away. Like maybe even to protect them in case of like a whoopsie doopsie shuttle go boom in your
3: (laughs) cave.
1: That's interesting. I never thought about if those nacelles would represent anything more than just a structural design.
0: That's funny because I I think I got the idea from when last episode you mentioned something along those lines, like the, the nacelles were there for a particular purpose instead of just for decoration.
1: So we're down in the crew compartment and we discovered that Murph is now an egg. I think Murph is still a cocoon.
0: Uh, okay. I mean cuz I don't know if there's is there a much, is there a difference? I think an egg is has like a usually has like a Well no, I mean I guess they can have a soft shell. I think it's I think an egg and a cocoon. Well, I don't think it's an egg cuz an egg happens at the beginning of life. Yeah, I mean this it's a implied... where you turn into something different. Yeah. Like, just from the definition of the word, it's yeah. not an egg. It's a cocoon that's portable. I mean, all cocoons <laughs> are portable. Yeah. As long as you keep them in the right uh, environment, they'll be okay. They're usually just, like, stuck to something to make sure they stay in that environment. But, you know, Rockcock can put them in a little bag and carry them around <laughs> and keep that environment safe. Mm-hmm.
1: Murph is purring like a tribble, though, in- inside
0: well, Oh, he's, his- he's trilling. According yeah. to the closed captions, <laughs> oh, okay. Is he so he's not a triple then? Apparently
1: not. Uh, but yeah, I thought this was uh, a little cute. It seems like they're responding to things outside of in the outside world and
0: yeah murph is definitely communicating from inside his cocoon (laughs) at one point rock talk asks murph a question and murph makes a sound and then towards the end when we're about to say goodbye to janeway for Mm a nanosecond apparently from her perspective we get uh murph also saying goodbye he has like a little trill at that moment too i noticed largely in this episode that we have two distinctly different janeways
3: Mm-hmm.
0: like the hologram Janeway and the vice admiral Janeway they're only two different voices I mean it's mm-hmm. the same person doing them right but it's two different voices and it's also two very different appearances the mm-hmm. so hologram Janeway has that like caretaker hair right the bun oh yeah okay and her face is very thin and her chin mm-hmm. is like very like raised and then when you get to the vice admiral Janeway it's like seeing the difference between <laughs> it's like seeing the difference between, well, it's, it's like seeing the difference between, you know, Kate Mulgrew basically. So like what I'm getting at is that it was very thoughtful and obviously intentionally thoughtful and really neat the idea where they took caretaker Janeway and that's the hologram and mm-hmm. they have, if she were to play Janeway now, this mm-hmm. is how she looks now. Okay. Yeah. Just like the structure of her face is a little different, you know, Yeah. So like this hologram Janeway is a Janeway of an era.
1: Yeah. Okay. I I see what you're talking about. I like uh, Janeway's solutions to not saying goodbye. Uh, It reminds me of people who believe in an afterlife that, you know, they often say, well, no, we're not saying goodbye. They believe that they'll see each other again. And they often do just say, see you next time or until later
0: or something like that. I see what you did there, you, you brought us to the end of the teaser and you're letting our audience know that although we're saying goodbye, it'll be just for a moment.
3: <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. We'll
1: be um, right
0: back. We'll be right back.
2: hi my name is isaac and i'm from australia and if you're hearing me that means you also like star trek which makes you a friend in my book so if you like let's talk about treks and would like to hear more podcasts why not give us a try search for unplanned trek where you can listen to a podcast about a random episode Out of all Star Trek series where we look at things like the best and worst characters As well as we're giving out the Riker medal for any love interest that we see this week So search on Twitter and your podcast provider Unplanned Trek And give our show a go You may find that you recognise a voice or two as we have special (laughs) guests coming up all the time So if you like a lighthearted podcast with a little twist of humor and a big focus on Star Trek, just give us a go, folks. All you have to do is search for Unplanned Trek. Live long and prosper.
1: Welcome back, everybody.
0: Hello, welcome back, you.
1: So, shall we continue the, the episode?
0: Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, let's do that.
1: Oh, okay. They're burying the Protostar beneath the ice and snow.
0: Yes, with a phaser lance.
1: (laughs) This reminds me of the uh, Voyager episode, Timeless, where...
0: Oh, that's the one where they crashed on, like, an ice planet?
1: Yeah, I think they crashed on Hoth.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, And Harry Kim had to go save the princess?
1: Yes, exactly. Harry Krim had to save his princess, Captain Janeway.
0: Gotcha. (laughs) It is hard to believe. Uh, It is uh, difficult to understand. (laughs) And it is irksome to hear that uh, Tellarite royalty can travel no less than Warp (laughs) 5. Don't you ever stop? Don't you? You never slow down like you're slow. You're not going Warp 5 right now. At most, as far as I know, you're going about 70 million miles per hour. (laughs) You know, same speed as pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. in In the galaxy i also i don't i meant to look up what like nimbo stratus clouds were because i'm i'm not a wizard and i forgot since uh i don't know maybe like 11th grade when when we last we studied cumulonimbus and all those <laughs> kinds of stra- clouds yeah <laughs> thankfully rock talk has studied them recently and sees them coming
3: mm.
1: okay one of the things i've always noticed is every time we see pog wearing a new outfit he apparently has cut off the sleeve of that new outfit, and he's poked his whole prosthetic arm through it and wants his whole prosthetic arm exposed. I, In this case, with the jacket and being winter and everything, I would think that he'd want as much protection from the elements as possible. So the sleeve end of the sleeve would generally have a tighter elastic band or something to keep the wind out a little bit better than just an open sleeve – It always just seemed kind of weird to me that he seems to do that with everything he wears.
0: Okay. Well, maybe he can get himself another jacket when we get to this uh, Star Wars depot that you know there's a there's a lot of star wars happening across this episode i feel there were there were actually several times during the episode that i felt like i could if i if i didn't close my eyes (laughs) that i could i could feel like i was watching a star wars cartoon
1: definitely there was a time when zero even mentions that they've arrived at most isolated oh wait
0: yeah i don't think there was um (laughs) but there are there are when we arrived there there are ships that fold their wings upwards
1: there are yeah
0: yeah sort of like you're landing one of those what are they like a the imperial like shuttle yeah uh, whatever <laughs> <laughs> but bog's like it's not a depot it's a junkyard which <laughs> i don't really know what the difference is i think um i like i think i've always thought of a ship depot as a junkyard <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think kind of like the same thing oh okay I mean, unless it's, like, am I supposed to be thinking of, like, Ship Depot, like, Home Depot? Like, you go in there, and there's, like, rows and rows of ships, and you just, like, go down the rows and buy one?
1: I think he was expecting a parking lot. Oh, okay. And the ship's looking more decent than just random heaps of junk. I mean, it's, it's not a-
0: Osiris' junkyard. I mean, that was a junkyard. Oh, okay. This is this is a, a, a very well-kept outpost <laughs> featuring some very well-kept people. This is Captain Thaddean O'Connor that we come across, mm-hmm. um, who is reprising his role as, uh, well, it's, uh, what's his name? Billy Campbell, Yeah. who's reprising his role as Captain Thadian O'Connor 34 years after the first time <laughs> he played the role.
1: I guess a lot of could, could happen. I was wondering when he had lost his eye
0: yeah it's been three decades
1: i was speculating that maybe uh he offended the wrong woman and and she uh threw his drink at him too fast and his uh olives on on the uh, toothpick just flew into his eye Mm, wow
0: (laughs) wow did you take your medicine today
1: (laughs) i don't know should i
0: oh i think maybe okay okay
1: one of the things i want to point out is that back at the ship Zero had their legs on briefly.
0: Let me tell you something. I think that there's either some sort of code or something happening here, or there's an opportunity for some sort of game or gambling that we're missing, Hmm. because there are times that Zero has their legs on, Mm -hmm. and then there's time that Zero, 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 that Zero Zero is floating around. Zero is floating around, and I don't know. What the difference is and why Zero is doing which I hope that's what you were getting at because it's really starting to like grate on my nerves.
1: Yeah, it is because like there's a scene like where two sec- literally two seconds later they're hovering again and they were standing. But my question here is, I've never thought about this, but where do they store the legs when they're not using them?
0: This is a great question, actually. This is the first ding, ding, ding. So this is the <laughs> to to phrase you.
3: Mm-hmm. That's a
0: good question. I've never thought of that.
3: <laughs> um,
0: that is a, that's, that's a very good question. I don't know where the, le- the legs go. I would like to see at one point the legs arrive or disappear.
1: Yeah, exactly. That That's kind of. Because
0: they are the biggest part of Zero's body.
1: One, one thing I did kind of notice they are, uh, is that when Zero is in motion, like on a ship that is affected by gravity, like we'll see later on, they are standing, so that they maybe can be more stable. Whereas if they were just hovering on that, they would just kind of hover backwards as the ship moved forward, and how would, they would have to use propellant. No, to...
0: no, no, they wouldn't. Have you ever been in an elevator? What? Yeah. Have you ever ridden a metro, <laughs> or or any kind of train? Have you ever been in a car? <laughs> that's not how it works.
1: Well, the car is pushing you forward,
0: and if you have, if you have a drone. And you have that drone floating in midair in your car, uh-huh. and you drive forward. Is it going to come out of the back window?
1: I have no idea. I suppose it's
0: not. <laughs> yeah. You may want to run that experiment and tell me what happens.
3: Yeah, yeah
1: I don't think so.
0: <laughs> There's a line that Zero comes to, mm-hmm. which is something along uh, along along the line of <clears throat> he drives a hard bargain. Yes, but he's an expert. And then i'm like oh yeah zero's a mind reader Mm -hmm. like why didn't we realize this until last episode yeah that seems to imply if zero is a mind reader Mm -hmm. then what zero does when zero takes off the carapace would be like intentional at the very least we can know that zero can feel what zero is doing to someone's mind ooh creepy because zero is a mind reader mm-hmm. so if zero is in zero's true full form mm-hmm. and driving you crazy zero should be able to feel zero driving you crazy which means Uh-oh. that zero must have felt what zero was doing when zero did it to gwen Ooh. before dal said zero shut it off zero already knew because zero is a mind reader Mm -hmm. Maybe Zero has a tendency to get carried away Mm -hmm. in something, right? So Zero went ahead and went into the assimilation wholeheartedly, right? (laughs) Zero goes off on like a tangent and just like gets stuck in that moment. Like this Uh happened when Zero was upset with Diviner, like the rage built and built and built and built. And then Zero got carried away, right? And blasted everywhere. Mm -hmm. Zero is the most gentle and like probably the closest thing to a doctor we have on the show. Mm but Zero also has something completely negative of that, Mm. which is like a homicidal rage.
1: (laughs) A secret homicidal rage. Yeah. Ooh. Wow.
0: Well, that at least justifies Okana's response saying that he doesn't usually negotiate with mind readers. Mm -hmm. When I heard him say that, I was like, I had to go back and check, well, why would he say that? (laughs) Does he know that Zero's a Medusa? And then I realized, oh, Zero just told Zero's little crew here. Yeah. What's happening in Thaddeus O'Connor's mind?
1: Yeah, he's desperate for the
0: thing he's asking for. So, it took us until it took us four, fourteen episodes, well, thirteen episodes to realize it, and fourteen episodes to pin it down. <laughs> Actually, fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> yeah, because there there were the two. The first episode is a two parter.
1: <laughs> we bring this up every time, and you you keep on getting me more or confused again. I always have it figured out in my head. <laughs> but
0: you warp it and t- twist it again Oh, you're welcome the, the, I'm glad I'm, I'm glad this is such an exciting show for you
1: See, that's where we get the count of 13 instead of 14 Because it in one form, they're counting episode 1 as episode 1 and 2 That gives us 14 And in the other form, they're ta- counting episode 1 as just episode 1 And episode 3 is episode 2 So that gives us thir- 13 Okay there have been 13 uncut episodes, but the first episode is a two or one hour long.
0: Also nine and ten. Double episodes. Or ten and eleven, depending on how...
1: It uh, Nine and ten are two separate, one, one part or half an hour episodes.
0: And one and two are two separate, half hour, one part episodes. Two part, one part. Do you want to just move on? Sure, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Tell me about Comment below. <laughs> because I'm not a... Yeah, I'm not an enterprise guy. So tell me about the zindi.
1: These are zindi reptilians. There are four or five different subspecies of zindi.
0: I think I vaguely remember there were like avi- avians and amphibians.
1: There are whale people. Uh-huh. There are primates.
0: Okay, there we go. Uh-huh.
1: There are sloths. There are right. insects. And there are uh-huh. reptiles and the avians are extinct so that's six
0: one thing i was thinking was that like maybe the zindi and the breen as i've discussed them previously mm-hmm. were the same species mm. and like as the zindi evolved they started putting on the uniform so they wouldn't have the infighting between the different factions so they all look the same across the board that's a good yeah yeah, not anymore, because now we've seen the Zindi. Yeah. <laughs> and this time, it kind of
1: ruined it. The thing I was confused about these Zindi reptilians, they're in, like, a snowstorm. How are they not...
0: A frozen solid. Yeah, a
1: frozen solid. Yeah. You know. Yeah,
0: they should... Well, maybe their seats... There's Maybe their seats... Maybe they have heated seats. Mm-hmm. Maybe their suits, actually, is the word I was trying to say. Maybe their suits keep them warm.
1: Maybe. The other thing, I mean, they could be reptilian, but they could be warm-blooded like dinosaurs.
0: There's one thing that I'm thinking of is that uh, I would like to put a pin in the idea that they are talking. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they
1: arrest Okana, right? Yeah, they're talking to Okana in Federation Standard yeah or, or 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 being universally translated one of the two yeah we don't know if okana has a universal translator right well
0: w- w- don't we have universal translators the protostar crew
1: when it works when it needs oh the- oh they're only for the protostar crew they're only in the com badges
0: and they're uh, they don't have their comb badges on right now
1: mm-hmm. well it's weird because dow polls went out later in the episode
0: yeah so, <laughs> point point being i think like either speaking federation standard or their compositions are universally translated. I think they have them on them. Yeah. So the Zindi arrest Okana, and this cumulon what is it, Nimbostratus uh, storm is coming at us. Mm -hmm. So we have to cut away to Frex, who's telling his story to a Kazan. now, way back in the first episode, Mm -hmm. it was odd to see a Kazon because we didn't really know where we were. We could have been in the Delta Quadrant at the time. We could have been anywhere. Yeah. Uh, We know now that we are in the Alpha Quadrant and we'll learn later on in this episode that we're very near the beta quadrant or maybe we're in the beta quadrant i'm not really sure but i know that we're not anywhere near the kazon should be Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering if maybe this is the same kazon that we saw from the first episode you know
1: he does look familiar that kind of is what i was thinking
0: yeah i wonder where that ship that they had took all the people away from tars lamora because tars lamora if i'm not mistaken when janeway went there was pretty empty
1: that's right. They left all the other prisoners behind, didn't they?
0: On that ship. Yeah. The Diviner's ship. Yeah. So again, this is this is evidence of my of my TV show Star Trek, Chakotay indication. Like that's the <laughs> whole thing that's happening between the lines that we're not we're not seeing. He he mentions uh, Frex does. He mentions uh, you know his whole story to the Kazon, and he mentions being picked up by a friendly Orion. Mm. And I'm thinking about what year this is. Right, mm. and I'm wondering if maybe you know something happens with Tendy after she becomes a captain. Then she ends up becoming like a finris Ranger, like Seven. And this is the friendly old Orion that picked him up was Tendy
1: Ooh, the best of a bad situation. Good connection. Well, I think <laughs> <laughs> that'd be exciting to see if they, if they they ever touch on that.
3: Yeah. Um.
1: When the Weather res- Service reports that the blizzard coming in, I noticed that not a lot of people seem to care. They just sort of stood around,
0: as if nothing was going on. Yeah, I mean they're probably used to it. It's it's probably commonplace here. Okay. I think that's the I think that's the story you're being told by the fact that they're not reacting. Yeah. Like this is the so it's a television show where they show and don't tell. <laughs> Although. I mean although it is called a television show and the tell part should be up
3: front. Because
0: <laughs> it's television, so tell and then show. Oh. Huh. I really never thought about that before. It's a tele show. It's a it's a tell and then show. <laughs> okay.
1: Behind uh the the Frex, we see what appeared to me to be a B wing's uh, green squadron pilot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. A few minutes from now, there's a guy who makes fun, who sort of accidentally makes fun of Pog. Yeah, and I thought that he was clearly like an extra straight out of Star Wars as well. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. My brain was really going off this episode about like maybe this was something that got pitched to Star Wars, mm-hmm. and then Star Wars was like special ship no we don't that's not us and then they were like time travel that's not us go talk to star trek we don't do time travel and then they were like okay well we'll just go back like here's what we'll do we'll go back and we'll rewrite the first 10 episodes and we'll get those all ready and we can go ahead and start releasing them and see if people like them and then while those are going out we can rewrite the rest of the 10 episodes
3: yeah yeah
0: so like this is the part where they started like having to like really rush and get these episodes rewritten (laughs) the storyboards are pretty much the same though
1: (laughs) well the interesting thing thing is that we're seeing parts of the Milky Way galaxy that aren't that are more lived in that are more rough and tumble that maybe that these are similar people that we do catch a glimpse of in the Star Wars universe instead of the perfect upright and shiny Federation or Empire or, or, or whatever
0: yeah it's very much like that um there's a thing that happens in this episode and happened last episode where we get those dark gloves the black gloves you know like i know there was an episode of voyager where jane had the, the black gloves yeah she was really more like she it, i think it was like a misremembering of star trek by a planet's people oh okay uh, but uh this is one where like the doctor was fast forwarding into the future and they had like misremembered all of Voyager's whole like trip with them. Uh but her stomping around here at this outpost Mm -hmm. wearing these black gloves and ordering people this outpost is it's not a starfleet outpost oh no yeah it's definitely not usually when we go to an outpost that's like a trader post or not starfleet like if we were on the crew of the enterprise D, we wouldn't be wearing our uniforms when we'd be like sort of slinking around pretending to be one of the people and like blending in yeah so the fact that janeway's like coming down here like just out in the open and like searching this place um I don't know if we're friends with the Zendi, but I it's it seems to me that maybe this is a Zendi outpost
1: it, it kind of
0: does yeah Innocentia and Dr. Noom and Janeway and Commander Tysus arrive mm-hmm. on the planet the only thing that bothers me about command about any of them is Commander Tysus uh because we sort of started talking about I remember at one point we started talking about the Andorians and their naming convention where they have the, it's a CH, ZH, SH, and TH. Oh, okay. For the sort of like prefixes before the apostrophe, no yeah, the apostrophe, D- depending on your gender, right? Oh, so, like, okay. if your last name is Tysus, it would be, like, Ch-Tysus, or Sh-Tysus, or Th-Tysus, or sh <laughs> right? It wouldn't be just Tysis. So, it's it's a little disheartening that we can't Pick one convention, one naming convention with the uh, with the Andorians, and keep with it. Especially one that's so like well structured, like the one that I you know that they used in the announce Yeah.
1: Well, could Tysus just not maybe feel like they are the gender that they've been assigned at birth? Maybe they're a- asexual.
0: Okay, perhaps that. But Tysus walks right by Rock Talk, mm-hmm. and thus begins Rock Talk's inability to connect with anyone in starfleet (laughs) during the course of this show
1: when they beam down they don't beam right up to frex but they've got his communicator channel and they can beep him and stuff why can't they pinpoint his location
0: Uh, they probably don't want to spook him or anybody around him it's a it's an outpost there's probably there's probably also like particular places where you can do beaming Mm, oh in places like this like there's probably train I would if if I had a a depot if I was running ship depot yeah I wouldn't let you just like beam my ships out of there like there would be a particular (laughs) place where you could beam down Mm
1: -hmm. you know okay
0: I certainly wouldn't want you to beam right into the ships
1: when Janeway says some starfleet officer when she's complaining about Frex and his inability to respond to his communicator. This is one of those moments where it really does seem like Janeway has made some big leaps and changes. Like she's starting to get a little judgy.
0: Maybe yeah, her I didn't like the way she came off in that moment as well. Like some starfleet officer like what? Like There've been times that you don't answer your communicator badge and it doesn't take away the shine of you being a Starfleet officer. Like what if you're just busy? Like what?
1: Yeah. Well, certain some people just don't answer the phone when they're on the toilet. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, I, it's exactly what I was going to say. Like what if you're just like you're just busy? I mean, you could be doing anything. Like what if you're talking to what if you're making an arrangement? What if you're asleep? Who yeah.
1: oh, sleep? Yeah. And sleep would be a nice simple easy one. I mean, he's just been through a big ordeal. Maybe he's exhausted. Maybe he's being debriefed by Section 31. Ooh, okay. <laughs> the other thing I was, wasn't sure of is why doesn't... They keep on calling her Captain Janeway, as if the hollow Janeway doesn't know that she was promoted to Vice Admiral.
0: Well, she doesn't. So there's a thing... Okay, so there's a, there's a thing that makes sense and doesn't make sense. So... If you recall last episode, we had a little conversation of Mm -hmm. someone should have looked up and found out what happens with a Melanoid slime worm, right? Mm -hmm. Because Starfleet databases should show that they're a worm first and they turn into whatever they turn into. Mm -hmm. My thought was that nobody looked it up. Mm. I think now what we're realizing is that they don't have a lot of information. The databanks have been wiped and anytime they try to connect, they don't actually get a lot of information. Mm. So they have some basic things stored. Mm But, like, Apocrypha, Extra... Like, they have very basic things. Oh, okay. You know, like, they have the abridged version of the encyclopedia. Oh, okay. And they don't have the internet.
1: Huh. Well, you're right. They can't even get on the... Whatever is the Federation equivalent of the internet. Because then wouldn't the virus just attack them that way, too?
0: Yes, that is true. But the other thing is, now that you mention it, they should know that Janeway is above Captain because... Janeway was above captain in the movie Star Trek Nemesis. And the Protostar comes from after Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah. Right.
1: And during the christening of the Protostar, Janeway is there as a vice admiral. Oh, true enough. And Chakotay knew that she was a vice admiral. This may be intentional.
0: There may be something going on with that. I'm not really sure Hmm. what. Okay. Interesting. But I think that the the two pieces of data that we have that they didn't have the ability to look up a melanoid slime worm Mm -hmm. and now the fact that they didn't know that Janeway was above a captain that speaks to something which may be tampering with their memory banks Mm. there there's got to be some reason why this is the case interesting You know, I mean yeah definitely the
1: you're yeah (laughs) sorry
0: We came to this depot because we need to find another ride. Like, we got to hitch another ride to get to Starfleet so we can tell them what the hell is going on with the Protostar and maybe have them, like, maybe they can go back and get it safely somehow, but we got to let them know. Um, Because, you know, we've learned, we've we've sort of learned the lesson of, you know, not really communicating. So we got to find a way to communicate, (laughs) but we can't do it with the Protostar. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So Hog is seeking out a courier and instead finds a Noom. And that's when I remember. Oh, yeah, so like we've we've been watching this show the whole time, and we've seen that Noom, Doctor Noom, has tusks, mm-hmm. and Pog doesn't have tusks. <laughs> he has like one lower canine. Yeah, but not tusks. And and uh, you know, Noom explains to us that apparently Pog is a a pauper named like a runt mm-hmm. who's short in size and vocabulary mm. which again lends it brings me it's like a coda it brings me right back <laughs> yeah. to the idea that we're representing some sort of like evil dark Empire like there's Dr Noom all haughty in his dark gloves Ooh. looking like um like the evil wizard mm. right and and speaking like the evil wizard yeah. you know and he says like this ridiculous thing about like he said this guy <laughs> his man goes uh wandering aimlessly could hardly be considered walking and i'm like no 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 that's that's <laughs> you know, walking is you if you can yeah you wandering aimlessly is walking <laughs> yeah. wait who's crawling around aimlessly what? like you want i mean you could run around aimlessly you could walk around <laughs> this statement walking around aimlessly can hardly be considered walking is not true
3: i i'm just it,
0: talking
1: about i just it. like that uh jenkem finally gets a taste of his own medicine for being rude all the time with everybody else oh is that what they're getting
3: at yeah
0: because he, oh, he finally
1: sees okay. another teller and he gets an actual teller right oh, arguing
0: it's so real Telluride interactions. got you. Yeah. But like, so really, okay, because I was bothered because I was like, the first thing he does is make fun of someone's height. Like, what (laughs) kind of doctor is he? Like, who who takes, like, your physical disability and, like,
3: holds (laughs) it against you as your doctor?
1: Oh, he, it seems like he wouldn't have the greatest bedside manner to me. At all. But, mate, who is a doctor for a Telluride? It's like,
0: (laughs) it's like a doctor with the name Crusher. You know, or a doctor with the name Basher. You know, or a doctor with the name bones oh or a doctor with no name
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ooh. well his name is just the doctor that's all they refer to him as the doctor I think he's traveling through time
0: the then we get to the did you lose your mommy guy yeah who who I think is definitely looks like somebody <laughs> who's in the background in a Star Wars movie yeah exactly <laughs> yeah why did she think you said alexa i don't know <laughs> <laughs> so then we have our our little uh our little backdoor pilot of gwendala and the klingon I <laughs> would be cute it would uh because i like i kind of like them together what? like yeah they because they, when they meet they're kind of like unsure of each other and mm-hmm. they're trying to like one up each other mm-hmm. um i don't understand why this guy has an issue with gwen speaking klingon
1: Yeah, that was kind of odd. I mean, if I, if I got greeted in a foreign place by somebody that could speak my own language, I'd be like, Hey, cool. Let's hang out. Yeah. You know, like going into Asia sometimes when, when they find out that you can speak English, they want to practice their English because they're in school learning English because a lot of push is being put towards. Immigration. Hospitality and stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so they want to practice your English. So if you're around somebody, if. This guy's got the reverse situation. He's around all these Federation Standard speakers and he might get, uh, you know, a good opportunity to get a feel of home.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've traveled in foreign countries before uh-huh. and it is comforting when you come across somebody who speaks your language. Like someone, if someone, you know, who's in that place comes up to me speaking my language, I'm not going to be like, why are you speaking my language? <laughs> like what?
1: Now, Jack, I have a question for you.
0: Uh-huh.
1: What did she greet
0: him with? What did she say? I didn't hear what she said. Oh, okay. It, I should have, I should have, I should have called it and paid attention to it, <laughs> but I really didn't listen to what she said.
1: I couldn't make out what exactly she was saying, but it didn't sound like my understanding of a standard Klingon greeting.
0: I mean, it wasn't Nuknech. Yes, it wasn't it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that. That's what I was getting yeah. at. When the Klingons about to try to take. Gwen's uh, like, Technomancer metal thing, Mm -hmm. like, which clearly he's not going to be able to take, like, Asensia stops it, and Asensia like, kind of saved his life, just right there. (laughs) Because, like, he doesn't realize that Gwen could just form that thing into a Batleth and chop his head off. Yeah. Like, for real. Or at least like, slice his leg open and open his (laughs) femur. You know, like, the first episode of Lower Decks. Oh, yeah. Asensia does uh, sort of recognize Gwen's similar appearance to the Diviner mm-hmm. and lets her know that, the dad, that her dad is on the ship, which that's the thing that's going to freak her out, which is like, there's no, there's no understanding, there's, there's no ability for Asensia to understand why that would, why that would freak her out. Um, and, and also trying to find the protostart would freak her out. So Gwen, this is one of the, this is one of the many opportunities in this episode that somebody had the opportunity to explain the whole story, mm-hmm. right? Instead of like hiding the truth. We've we've learned, all of these characters have learned one by one something about telling the truth along the way, <laughs>
3: right?
0: Yeah. And this is all thrown out the window for the most part during this episode. It's really strange how it happens, but like this is definitely the time for Gwen to talk to somebody and say, hey, oh, like here's what's going on. Here's what's going on mm-hmm. with the ship. This is what happened to the station, yada, yada. But she does not, mm. instead she escapes on a land speeder. <laughs> a land speeder, yup. Why don't we take a little break okay. here at the end of Act 1, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll come back shortly. for our Wonderful.
1: Welcome back everybody.
0: Welcome back, you.
1: Thank you for sticking with us.
0: It was a pleasure of them to stick with us. How, what, <laughs> what joy we bring people with our, with our long, drawn out, super over-detailed <laughs> discussions of Star Trek Prodigy. Season one, episode, oh. Yes, Crossroads. <laughs> Dal is walking by and he passes the sound of Janeway to away team. Mm-hmm, yep. So of course he turns around and and calls out a name, which causes him to now owe Vice Admiral Janeway a drink.
1: You stole my line. <laughs> yes, definitely. That he he owes her a coke.
0: Yeah. So this is this is when. What, what, no, he owes her a tea. Oh, we're it- trying to cut down the caffeine on these children. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is actually the first time that I notice that she's being this like dark you know, black glove version of Janeway, because yeah. the way she responds to an improper rank, it's like, girl,
3: it's,
0: <laughs> are you... You're in Starfleet just for the rank? I did, didn't really take that to be <laughs> you, but okay. Yeah, this
1: is kind of where I got the idea that she might be edging into the Badmiral
0: uh, area. Yeah. A minute, are you ready for my time travel theory? Uh-oh. So my time travel theory is that we are in a shard universe created by the Protostar coming back sort of like the kelvin okay so the protostar comes back and all the events that happen after it arrives are slightly different than they would have unfolded because the protostar came back and something happened Mm. right so all these so this is actually not quite the prime universe it's close but it's not quite the prime universe Because of the presence of the Mm Protostar. And at some point in the future, we'll do a stitch in time and we'll have our regular non-black glove Janeway back. Uh Ah, cool. Maybe this series branches off from the Prime Universe when, you know, Chakotay disappears from the timeline, for example. Okay, cool.
1: This is exactly when Dal should have been explaining hey you know what we've, we've <laughs> got a virus on our ship can you help us with it yeah yeah 100 percent. he should have
0: gone like oh this whole thing happened like we accidentally blew up this station like it wasn't us but like this we have this crazy thing aboard our ship that this guy put like yeah he should have explained the entire thing yeah right now. yeah yeah exactly but instead he's all nervous <laughs> and yeah. uh tries to relate you know, where he is to where she is. And, you know, mm-hmm. she, so she, of course, is like, well, I usually just, you know, make a decision. I just go for it. Yeah, we, we know. This is how <laughs> you get yourself lost in the Delta Quadrant yeah. you know, for <laughs> 70 years. Right.
1: I like this scene. This is where we get our lesson from the scene. Dal asks, have you ever wanted something so bad, but you're afraid to? Uh, If you say it, then you might say the wrong thing.
3: Have you ever... I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) And then Janeway encourages, I often do, but fear of failure has killed so many dreams of the past
0: before. Tuvix.
3: Doesn't anyone see that this is wrong?
0: She was afraid she was going to do the wrong thing. By not having her security Ooh. officer and her chef be different people, mm-hmm. so because she was so afraid of that, it killed Tuvix.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Ooh. She she makes a, a really quick Picard reference. Oh. And at the same, she says, "Starfleet officers make it so." Oh right? Right, but right, Under yeah, that, right. underneath that is playing the Voyager theme. So I'm a little, I'm a little like, <laughs> wait, are you overriding Picard with Janeway? That's <laughs> what's going on here.
3: Well,
1: I'm sure there's plenty of people out there to. That- quoted Picard make it so before I think she might have during the series well and Jane Janeway jumps to conclusions again once uh Frex shows up.
0: Yeah, so Tysis brings in Frex, and Dal is just quickly excused, like, you can go do something <laughs> yeah. else. Jamie seems very curt with this, like, oh. okay, kid, get out of here. Yeah, you know? well,
1: th- this is our key to everything, and this is what I've been after all this time. And
0: Great. Right. if Dal had stayed there, it might have been resolved a little more quickly. But, I mean, it's, it's TV show and reasons, so <laughs> if we resolve it too quickly, we we'll won't have more TV show to do prex's exaggerations and excessive adjectives
1: just give the complete wrong impression of our heroes here no i don't think they do
0: yeah oh, you don't i think that from no i think that from prex's perspective everything he's saying is valid i think that be, i think because we know you know the intentions were different mm. like that's the only thing like this is what Dal. this is what dallas is, is, is muttering from the shadows you know maybe they have good intentions because we the viewer know that they did have good intentions okay like in context I thought it was weird for Dow to say maybe they had good intentions because like <laughs> it's not necessarily that they had like coming from if I were in their shoes mm-hmm. it wouldn't be that I had good intentions it's that I didn't mean for anything to go wrong yeah right like I didn't know that thing was going to go wrong like I didn't yeah they we, really they literally didn't know that was going to happen right yeah from our perspective they had good intentions yeah right so it, it, it was. they didn't little... know the virus was there yeah it was, yeah they didn't know it was there they they had been told about it mm. and and gwen knew that we can't go we can't go mm. but they they you know they didn't know what that meant though they didn't know they, they had good intentions of coming to the star base like they yeah. they had a purpose that had nothing to do with you know blowing it up
3: mm-hmm. or whatever
0: janeway is clearly actually stressed about Chakotay, <laughs> and and yeah. again, I'm wondering, it takes a certain number of people to fly the ship. <laughs> yeah. So where are the rest of the people who are flying the ship? Mm. Trex's, um exaggerations and adjectives <laughs> exactly. are are interesting, and they're very like they're very perspective based, right? And because because like it's... the creepy dingle dangle off the back <laughs> of his neck <laughs> is kind of rude.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely.
0: But it is the, it is actually the dingle dangle that Dal is actually playing, he's actually fingering it the first time that Janeway sees him. Yeah, yeah. And that's what, that's what leads her to put this whole little puzzle together. Right. So Dal uh, takes off to start gathering his crew, mm-hmm. they sort of get yeah. on the run. Janeway calls the security chief of the depot, Yeah. and has the exit sealed and this is where i go back to okay so this is like some evil empire ish right because this is not a federation outpost where does she get off coming to some outpost that's unaligned with their with them and it's run apparently by the zindi and she's now making if she's not giving commands she's definitely making requests and if you're making requests that are like immediately followed then you you must be doing that with some sort of weight which means that starfleet has some sort of influence over this outpost her hand, well, because why are they responding to her as if she has some authority mate. to to ask them like they do you know can't just call them and be like hey lock the place down yeah but vice admiral janeway can come and be like hey lock this place down i'd be like this isn't this isn't we're not a starbase what do you do? What? no We're not locking it down for you. What if if you're – like we're not locking it down so you can catch somebody because then we're going to have the reputation, oh, don't go to this place because they're always locking it down to catch people for Starfleet. Maybe
1: this is – maybe this depot is a part of a government that is interested in being a part of the Federation and joining the Federation. So maybe they do have a little bit more of a pull or influence because of that
0: yeah i agree i i would like to know if this is a zindi outpost or if we're just seeing a lot of zindi
1: you know yeah i mean the only zindi i'm seeing are these uh security officers the reptilians that we see they could be hired thugs too
0: agreed i just i don't see anybody else in in a a position of authority there is one person that we see who's the chief of security of the place Uh uh-huh because when she says this is vice admiral janeway I want to speak with the chief of security. We're then shown a particular Zindi mm. who responds to her orders by ordering that they put the station on lockdown or they put the, you know, the base on lockdown yeah. or, you know, seal the exits or whatever.
1: Yeah. So what happens if the Illinois state patrol are chasing a car and they cross into Indiana and they call the Indiana police just before they get to the border and say, hey, we need your help. Can you help us?
0: get this guy. No, no, no. So that's sure, but again, that's within the United States of America. Okay. Let's do let's do crossing the border. Okay, so into another country.
1: We're mm-hmm. in Minnesota. There's a guy driving north. And they call the Canadian Mounties ahead of time and say, "Hey, we've got this guy driving north. We need your help stopping him before he's about to cross the border." I think that the Canadian Mounties or or whatever authority in, in the province of Canadia that they were about to cross into would probably do something to be helpful. You know, we're, we're not antagonistic with the Canadians.
0: There's a recent story about a group of friends who went down to Cabo San Lucas, right okay and they went down there for a birthday party Uh and one of before the birthday boy even arrived on his plane one of the people in the party had been basically beat by this group of friends Uh on video like it's on social media it's this is a very recent story it's on social media um, where someone's she's being this woman is being beaten Mm -hmm. right and people in the video are taunting her saying, you know, you're not going to fight back, you're not gonna fight back. And she says, No, she's not gonna fight back. Well, the next day, when or you know, later on, when the birthday boy arrives, he finds her, you know, she's sort of, uh, she's responsive, but she's like, groggy responsive, you know, he calls her Mm. mom and says, you know, she's, she must have had alcohol poisoning. Well, then, then all the friends come home, and she's there dead. Mm. Right. So there's a murder that has taken place in Cabo San Lucas. Okay. Cabo San Lucas goes and investigates Mm -hmm. and they say there's no sign of foul play.
3: Hmm.
0: So, can the United States then convict this person or no? They would need to
1: make arrangements on the federal level to go and extradite this person. No, no, no. The people
0: people came back. Okay. The people actually flew back. Yeah. And the, the the. the people of Mexico say there's no evidence of foul play. So technically to them, no murder has taken place. So the place has probably been cleaned. Other people have been living in it. There's no evidence of a murder, Mm -hmm. except for this social media video where this person is being, you know, beat up.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, it would. I think in part, it would depend on whether the U.S. and Mexico have a extradition treaty.
0: But the people came back by themselves. They're here. They're here in this country.
1: But the people right. that killed her were the people that- Are
0: here in this country, they're oh. here, they came back. Okay. They all flew, it was, a, it was a party, it was a birthday party, they all flew down there, mm-hmm. somebody got beat up, mm-hmm. died, and everybody flew back. Okay. And then there's no evidence because the scene has been cleaned up. Mm-hmm. It's actually a very recent story, mm-hmm. Um. it hasn't really made it as publicly as it would be, as it would be nice that it had. Yeah. Uh, you may hear about it soon. Um, but it's it's very disheartening. Nobody knows what to do because yeah. we don't have any proof of a murder. But there kind of was a murder. Uh-huh. Like, but we don't really know. So there are like so there's jurisdiction issues and there's questions about like what authority we have to you know hold somebody for a crime that we don't know that, that there was a crime, especially if there's someone saying that there was no crime. So there's been no crime here. As far as the people in this outpost know, nobody except for Thani O'Connor did anything wrong. Mm -hmm. So why would they then kowtow to Janeway and and like agree, like participate in the capture of somebody who Janeway says has committed a crime when we, we don't, they don't know at this outpost that there's been a crime at all. They don't know why she, they don't even know why she's saying lock it down. She just says lock it down. And suddenly she can. Yeah. So this is this goes back to my I'm actually trying to just build evidence on my theory of this is some sort of like weird <laughs> shard universe. Okay. You know, we've gone a little bit a little bit evil. That's why we have the black gloves. Uh-huh. Because right? yeah. this is like a misremembered Starfleet.
3: Mm.
0: Okay. There's a there's been a there's been a theme throughout this series mm-hmm. that has to do with uh communication, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, telling the truth and not hiding the truth okay right and uh, Rock Talk was the first one to learn it about you know not Rock Talk didn't tell about you know Murph eating the torpedoes mm-hmm. right and that sort of backfired yeah
3: literally
1: and,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we we've, we basically had to learn along the way like i feel like each individual has learned okay i should just tell the truth up front right mm-hmm. so i don't know what's happening in this episode <laughs> because it's so. you know rock talk has to say you all spoke to starfleet but nobody told them about the deadly weapon aboard like that's the whole reason we're here is to talk to starfleet about this weapon so why didn't you tell them like it's really weird that you know rock talk like i said rock talk was the first to learn this lesson yeah and Rock Talk was the first to miss the opportunity to talk to Starfleet. Yeah,
1: at the same time, why is Rock Talk s- scolding anybody? Because Rock Talk also did the same thing.
0: So. Well, no, but Rock Talk didn't have the opportunity to speak to anybody. Oh. Like the person, somebody just walked by her. Hmm. Some, some Starfleet, or Somebody in Starfleet just walked by Rock Talk. I don't think Rock Talk saw that person.
3: Oh, I thought or she that did. Per-
0: actually, that person, that person didn't stop for Rock Talk is what it is. Yeah, okay. So, there was not really an opportunity for Rock Talk to say anything everyone else had an opportunity yeah like had a moment where they could have speak, spoken to a starfleet officer and said hey here's the deal yeah
1: oh okay i get it at one point jankum also calls admiral janeway a captain i think jankum also owes admiral janeway a coke or a tea this is true yeah
0: <laughs> so they 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 burn some ions to get out of there they make a narrow escape into this land speeder uh, which, of course, is the time... I mean, what else can you expect to happen during a chase sequence that... <laughs> except, that you know, Murph, Murph is about to hatch. That's kind of what you expect to happen. Yeah. The land speeder chase continues. I don't know what Zero's looking for, uh-huh. but but Zero lifts up uh, some sort of compartment and finds instead an, an Okana. <laughs> yep, this is awkward. Uh, yeah, it, right about then is when the attackers uh, take the same tact that dal took earlier Mm -hmm. which was to use a phaser to cause an avalanche which is why i'm very surprised like i don't know why dal is surprised that they choose this tactic because dal himself chose this tactic just a little while ago
1: well it took me a while to figure out what they were doing because i'm like well they're they're terrible shots if they keep on missing you know the the speeder and then it occurred to me you know just before they showed the avalanche that this is they were doing this on purpose that they were carving out the hill
0: yeah, hundred uh, percent. Okay, so they find this this tube, right? That's yeah. this, this like the, what he calls it? He says it's it's chlorine trifluoride propulsion. Yes. Which is a toothpaste blast off? Uh,
1: not quite. <laughs> <laughs> I get where you're coming from with the fluoride. That's funny. Chlorine trifluoride is a propellant. It's a chemical formula is. CLF3 Uh it is a real world rocket propellant Uh and it is actually a green liquid so this is very screen accurate to what is in real life they're not just making up Oh, let's make it green just to make it look cool
0: well there we go I I thought it was just the Colgate version of the fuel
1: (laughs) did you catch Pog uh, quoting Samuel L. Jackson when he says hold on to your butts
0: I don't know what that's from
1: uh, Jurassic Park.
0: Okay, so we we arrive just just above the proto star.
1: That would make a good uncle or a dad here because he's got the greatest uncle joke here. Don't worry, we're right above it, mm. or no, we're on top of it.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize he was making a joke. I thought he was just describing what was what was happening right then.
1: Yeah, that's what... <laughs> that's what makes it a dad joke.
0: So they they get back to the event hologram Janeway and she's like hey well how did everything go yeah couldn't have gone worse yep um, definitely yeah that is the end of Act two mm-hmm. do you want to take another quick break and come right back
1: we certainly
0: could yeah. all right let's do it are you ready yes welcome back everybody welcome back you <laughs> yeah so we come back into the episode to a bunch of Zindy chatter
3: mm-hmm
0: why is there a bunch of zindi chatter this is the part this is the pin that i placed for earlier yeah these zindy sound like the aliens from mars attack
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? I'm like, i never thought of that why do they sound like that when clearly we heard them speaking toward the beginning of the episode but now they're like <laughs> 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 I don't know, some sort of joke?
1: No, I, I don't think so. I think it's they're not anywhere near anybody that's using a universal translator, so maybe that's what's going on.
0: Okay. So this is just just at the rise of the Protostar. Yes. Just shortly before Janeway beams back to the um, Dauntless.
1: Well, and I never realized how much of a size difference there was between the Dauntless and the Protostar until I saw this scene.
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit confused about that as well because if you count the decks on the Dauntless, they're kind of similar to the number of decks on the Protostar, but when you put them side by side, the windows on the Dauntless are way bigger than the windows on the Protostar.
3: Mmm.
1: So you would figure that the Dauntless would be smaller than the Protostar.
0: I mean, I just feel like there's some sort of, you know, cartoon version of physics happening here. (laughs)
1: mass shifting?
0: Yeah, like like <laughs> maybe this is just a kids show Jack, and maybe he just let it go.
3: <laughs>
0: when we come on to the bridge of the Dauntless, I noticed that yeah. there is it's a it's a smaller bridge than the bridge of the protostar.
1: It is, it's definitely
0: <laughs> and there is there's is one seat. This the bridge of the protostar I feel like is are there two i feel like there's two like captain's chairs like there's one that's sort of in that middle place but then there's one that's like way up front i don't know and yeah maybe you watch next time and look for it yeah, I do, it just look. seems strange mm-hmm. that we're back to the evil empire sort of jane way because she's like don't let them get away which is definitely sounding like chaotica <laughs> or bride of chaotica in this arachnia oh
1: okay maybe she's uh taken something out of playing too much role playing games with uh tom paris
0: see this is what happens this is why i don't do rpgs anymore (laughs) you just get all deep into this character and then you can't break out oh okay okay so we entered this warp tunnel for
1: some reason yeah i was confused about that
0: so dauntless does a quantum slipstream Mm -hmm. But is Protostar doing a quantum strip stream as well? And they just don't realize that it's a quantum strip stream as opposed to? You know, I don't know. I mean, Pog
1: says later that they're doing warp 9.97. Right. Which sounds like regular warp to me. And seems like you should only do the stretched out rainbow stars instead of a whole tunnel thing like you do in slipstream. Yeah, they've
0: gone plaid.
1: (laughs) i was <laughs> surprised they didn't just go to right to proto-warp and just get away from them the way they did with uh the diviner
0: yeah that would that would have been that would have been the call
2: right yeah
0: i do like how zero says that they're not doing evasive actions on purpose i like the like <laughs> walking through the tunnel though i kind of like that yeah. that movement
1: yeah well, and, and I think they've said that before, too, When the last time they were being pursued. They, they don't quite have the hang of the, the controls on the ship yet
0: there's the incoming hail that Gwen, Gwen calls out and, uh, you know, Dal of course explains, don't answer that. And explains why. And Mm -hmm. okay. So there's a, there's a thing. So I'm going to go back to the thing I was saying about, you know, people telling the truth before, you know, so like I was saying, it seems like each of the crew has learned this lesson about telling the truth or communicating Mm -hmm. the truth as opposed to withholding the truth. And Mm -hmm. in this moment, even though rock talk was just a moment ago, scolding everybody, For Mm -hmm. meeting people in Starfleet and not telling them about the Proto Star. Now, Rock is in this weirdly exactly opposite position where you know, not communicating is the best thing. So now Rock Talks, Rock Talk's being told, no, we, we shouldn't communicate. That's the right thing to do. So what's the mm-hmm. actual lesson here? Like, okay, so what if Uh-oh. what if I'm a kid who's watching this show, right? And I feel like yeah. there's something, you know, dark inside of me, like, like I have a living construct inside of me that if I connect <laughs> anybody, that it's going to infect everyone around me and make them, you know, not <laughs> like me and it's going to cause trouble. So like, how uh-huh. could I ever then feel like I could reach out if I'm watching this show? Mm. I, I'm I might be referencing like myself I'm thinking of like myself watching this show as a kid because mm. I always thought that there was like something like about me that was like terrible and ugly and people wouldn't like me if I told the truth. Mm. Okay. Um and uh I mean it wasn't until I had served under and then escaped from the yoke of the don't ask, don't tell policy in the military <laughs> that I was able to then like allow my living construct to reach other people but like oh, okay watching this show might have locked me further inside of myself oh that's not good to the point where like i wouldn't have had the temerity to even try to join the military hmm. because you know i have to keep it away from them before it's, it's gonna destroy all you know what i mean hmm. so i'm i'm a little stymied on what what the mess sometimes i'm stymied on what the messaging is with this television show
1: yeah that is a little confusing. I, I think I, yeah. So you're saying that uh, Rock Talk is getting mixed signals here now.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the thing. Like Rock Talk learned to to tell the truth and you know make sure that you communicate effectively up front, so that there no yeah. so the problems on the back end don't happen. And now the lesson that we're learning is don't communicate up front.
1: Well, I think that Rock understands that the reason they can't is because of the virus.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, Rock says that, but Rock has to have that explained to Rock because Rock has learned the exact opposite lesson. So that's why okay. Dal has to explain it, and then Rock sort of reads it back to her. Rock you know, sort of reads it back to him to yeah. you know, verify that this is... Like, Rock does some reflexive listening here. I don't know when yeah. Rock learned the motivational interviewing, but that's <laughs> yeah. that some things that Rock is doing here.
1: Well, it was weird, because when Dal, a few episodes ago, when Dal was doing a log, and he said that they learned that they couldn't even open communications. It seemed to me that, that the way he referenced it then was it was an open, already known information that they... that I think he said that Zero gave them him that information. And I think that it, it seemed to me like it was implied that it was like during some sort of staff briefing if they even do that. So maybe Zero was telling everybody instead of just...
0: Uh, Dal. But I maybe I'm wrong. No. Yeah. Zero told everybody that instead of the Dal. Um. And you're not wrong. Oh. Okay. I'm just saying they're giving mixed messages. Yeah. Like everyone knew that, but they. Again, this is tell a vision, so they had to tell yeah. us and show us things, right? So oh. The okay. Things that they're telling us, so, the things that they're showing us, are in conflict with one another. That's what I'm saying.
1: Yeah. I think this scene is just to remind the audience of why they can't and rock talk is just
0: playing the surrogate they're telling us and they're showing us but the things that they're telling us and the things that they're showing us are in conflict with one another yes they're telling us it's a television show made for us i get that part (laughs) there's this disgusting like alien sound like from the movie aliens (laughs) and then O'Connor's like what was that just just to be clear earl it did not sound like a fart no it didn't okay but everyone's like sniffing around like someone farted because that's what iconically smells
2: so there's your fart
0: for this episode oh okay (laughs) Rocktuck looks around and finds out that the cocoon has been opened Mm -hmm. and then we have to find find Murph yes and we do there's murph is hiding behind the behind the little console makes their first
1: post metamorphosis appearance
0: and i wasn't sure how i felt about what the
1: way they look in their new form yeah tell me more i wasn't sure if i felt disappointed or disgusted maybe <laughs> okay. like it was a little over cute i mean it reminded me of a what what were they called like a teletubby what, what did you oh. think?
0: I thought that this form made me realize that we are at a mid-stage for Murph. I think that Murph Mm. is going to evolve again. Oh, okay. Murph has emerged as like a little goopy kid. Hello, goopy. (laughs) You know, who who again can't speak. Um, I think that there's some more changes coming for Murph. Okay. Uh, But I do also wonder, now if you remember, one of Murph's first actions aboard the ship was to stick onto a console. And control the ship. Uh huh. Did Murph fire the torpedo on purpose? It's a good question. Thank you. Uh,
1: Murph is definitely making things go from bad to worse.
0: Like, though. Murph would know where the torpedoes are and how to fire them. I, I never think Murph considered did it. That. Yeah, I think Murph did it on purpose.
2: Huh.
1: So, why would Murph have done it on purpose?
0: is he a spy i i don't i don't know but i don't it's weird that murph would do that by accident when when murph was the first person to interact with the ship and like be able uh to control the ship it just seems odd to me yeah
1: and they still haven't gotten into proto-warp what is taking them so long
0: yeah, I'm really not sure. I don't know why we wouldn't have immediately gone into proto warp to get away from the Dauntless once we saw it was a Dauntless. Mm-hmm. Especially with, like Hologram Janeway should have said since Hologram Janeway was so good at sussing out this is a this is a Dauntless class ship that's equipped with a quantum slip, slip, uh, quantum slipstream drive. That yeah. she sort have said we would need, need to hit that proto that proto jank like instantly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing is, don't, I mean. Today we have the capability of destroying our torpedoes if they accidentally get fired.
0: Sure, sure, yeah. Yeah, we definitely should have hit that quantum torpedo with another torpedo and hope that it didn't land in Poland. Oh, dang.
1: Is that a slide on somebody? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so Diviner, Diviner actually comes in and he's like, no, don't fire. Yeah. Because my daughter is on the ship. Um and she's so Janeway's like you oh, know we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and target that third nacelle. Oh, what third nacelle? How yeah, does she know about it? It actually is about to pop out. It's about to pop out. <laughs> yeah, but does she see it? I mean, she she commissioned the ship. Oh, okay. she knows where it is. Oh, okay. Pog uh, Pog lets us know that we're we're ready to jump.
3: <laughs>
1: yes. How aren't photon torpedoes and quantum? torpedoes a physical thing how do they work in warp
0: one of them works much smaller than the other one i can tell you that much yeah i mean we've already established you can fire phasers at warp true so if you can fire phasers at warp i have to forgive the torpedoes at warp okay Right, like it's this the show sort of like builds one thing on the next it's like well if you're gonna accept (laughs) this you gotta accept this like if you're gonna accept Murph the slime ball walking around,
3: <laughs> you gotta
0: accept the Murph with legs walking around. Right? So what do you call this? Like this is like a, a melanoid slime toddler. Oh okay. Uh, I feel like I've heard the phrase before on my Mark ready go fast. <laughs> like and I'm wondering like is this Dal's Dal's catchphrase? Is this Dal's Let's fly?
1: <laughs> okay, I didn't. I thought he was just being stressed and trying to get him out of a stressful situation. I didn't ca- catch that.
0: The uh, torpedo knocks us out of the slipstream, which I really thought that we were going to Star Trek our way out of it, and the protostar yeah. was going to get away again, just in the, time. Yeah, but yeah. they did not, and the they, you know, da- the protostar gets knocked out of slipstream, and it's you know, it, it's tumbling around, you know, yeah. Uh, trailing brown glitter behind it
3: as it goes
0: (laughs) what Ew! everything brown is not poop earl (laughs) i'm not poop for example so we get a we get a quick lesson on what the neutral zone is from hologram janeway so that's our that's our federation science lesson our federation lesson for the day on on uh, star trek prodigy
1: sneaky sneaky
0: and you know, suggests that we remodulate the, the shields in order to hide from sensors and go ahead and float past that border into the Romulan neutral zone. Yeah. The uh, The Dauntless wants to pursue him, but Tysus is the one that has to stop Janeway from doing something ridiculous again, because he knows Janeway very well. He knows the next thing she's yeah. about to do is going to be something ridiculous because that's what she does. Doesn't
3: anyone see that this is wrong?
1: Yeah, Tyson, Tysus asks, what about the negotiations? Could this be something to do with uh nemesis and what happened at the end of the ne- nemesis and picard trying to
0: evacuate the romulans i depends on the i'm still uh, what is the year again this is 15 years after something i forget what this is 15 years after or is it lower Decks? It's 15 years after picard yeah that's right 2384 oh 2384 okay so we are like, just after Voyager. Yeah, like,
1: just, just after Voyager. Like, yeah, shortly after Voyager. They're going right I mean, they back. They pretty much pr- promoted her the day she got home. Mm-hmm. So, I also thought Tysus was very wise and brave in this situation. He understood that sometimes we have to defy authority if the authority is doing something that isn't
0: right. Yeah, you got to storm that capital.
1: <laughs> well,
0: no, not Tysus. <laughs>
1: Like when Data learned that it's okay that sometimes you can't. Picard said to Data at the end of the episode when they were trying to track down the Romulans. Data, there's been so many times when I was just following orders caused unknown catastrophes. Yes. And this this is a point where the no, line must it's... be drawn here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he's kind of drawing a line. He says, "No, Janeway, you've always told yeah. me." That yeah, I have to pay attention to my emotions,
0: but I can't let them rule me. One hundred percent. So, um, which is funny because here come these people who are led by their emotions. <laughs> <laughs> these three uh, Romulan warbirds from the classic era, from the from the new classic yeah. era, the next classic era, I should call it, T uh, cloak, <laughs> yeah. and we meet uh, a woman who refers to herself as Kasseth or Kaset. Oh, did she give her name? yeah she did she said she was uh she was uh, commander caseth which mm. i felt should have been casseth because that sounds more romulan <laughs> of the romulan star empire so there's there there's a thing about different romulan empires there's like the romulan uh-huh. star empire there's the romulan empire they're two different entities like the rise <laughs> and they? fall yeah, they are they are oh okay uh so i don't know which part of romulus this is but Case does inform us that you know entering the neutral zone is an act of war. Dun dun. <laughs> yeah.
1: These are our classic. Did the did 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 it.
0: Did Deterex
1: did, 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 did. Mm. <laughs> did class warbirds yeah. as well? Did Warbirds
0: mm-hmm.
1: We haven't seen these in a while.
0: I uh I very much enjoyed this episode. Okay. I'm gonna give it a nine point six.
1: Hmm. I Thought it was alright. I'm going to give it a 9.4. Okay,
0: I, I that, that works for me. Cool. Episode 15 of Star Trek Prodigy will pick up the story behind the neutral zone where our crew encounter a genetic scientist who has something to tell us about Dal. It's called Masquerade. I
1: can't wait until it comes out.
0: I barely can too. <laughs> But I will. I'm gonna wait one whole day until
1: it comes out. <laughs> I'm surprised you're releasing an episode on on a holiday, a major American holiday. It's great. I love it. I'll, well, it's something to do instead of watching that dumb long parade. Football. <laughs> I'm sure <of> <laughs> All right, everybody. That's our show. Until next time. It is indeed. Yeah. Stay positive. All right. Dream big, and you'll hear from us again soon.
0: Support the continued making of this show through patreon.com. Let's Talk About Treks is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at letstalkabouttreks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as at Trekstalkers, and would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako's Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.
1: Hi, I'm Earl Gray.
0: And I'm Jack Dorino.
1: We are the makers of Let's Talk About Treks. It's an episodic review of today's best visions of the future. That's Star Trek. We do deep dives on every episode about a week after release. We hope you'll join us. It's fun. It's exhausting. It's funny. It's strange. You're strange. We talk strangely about Star Trek.
0: We do. You do. We both do. And we hope you'll join us. You can find Let's Talk About Treks wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: How you motherfuckers? You gotta go pick up